I want you to to drink. I want you to receive everything that God has put in His heart for us, uh, for the kingdom of God. This training is not only for us. This training is given unto us, but for the kingdom of God, for the advancement of God's kingdom. This training that we are receiving is for generations. It's for nations that have to benefit. Praise the Lord. There is no one that God gives an assignment to that he has not prepared. God will always prepare his people. Even Moses, Moses, um, who got an encounter with the Lord through the burning bush, there is a way God prepared him even before he went to Midian. There is a way God set up. He is going into the palace and being raised by the Pharaoh or uh, Pharaoh's daughter. That kind of experience was part of the training. And even when he left that place and went to another humble, humble place that was looking after a sheep or someone who turned out to be his father-in-law, Jethro. So all through that, it was about being prepared, preparation for what God wanted to do through his life. So I want to welcome you and I pray that you'll be able to have a teachable heart. I, I believe that you still have a teachable heart. Uh, get a notebook, get a pen, but also we are going to have notes that are being prepared. Uh, these notes are going to be available at a fee of only 12,000 shillings. So um, I'm going to ask Ivan, Ivan is going to be in charge of. Um, of just a little one that gets uh, a notebook and also making sure that uh, the money is received either today or on Wednesday. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for bringing us here. Lord, our hearts are ready, our hearts are hungry, my Father, for thy equipping that you want to give us in this season. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that, Lord, where we've let you down in terms of stewardship, Lord, where we've not been available to you, where we've not been available to the assignment to your will, Father, may you forgive us. And may you cause us, Heavenly Father, to catch your heart. May you cause us to love you to the extent of obeying you, Father, in everything. And Father, Lord, we pray that you use your servant 
in this season, Lord, to equip us, to re-equip us, Lord, for your purposes. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please welcome our elder, Mr. to come and take us through. Praise the Lord. <coughs> Great to be here again to see all the faces as well as the faces of this family. I want also to say that I thank you to all of you for starting with this ministry. It takes commitment. Keep on keeping on. Uh, as you know, as a minister, how sometimes it becomes so frustrating, so tiresome. Uh, you feel you have paid enough cost and you don't want to pay more. Yet God is demanding more and more. But I want also to begin by briefly sharing why we are coming through, I am coming through this journey. Uh, some of you may know that when I retired in 2016, many of you might have heard of that testimony. I was at my prayer altar at home. Some of you, actually none of you here has received that for a long time. But I want to say that before the end of this year, in one of the leadership here, um, he said, that I want you to come. And we just have a, a cup of tea. And you to be done. When I was at that prayer altar, just asking the Lord, what does it look like? How does one how does one live in retirement? I didn't know the size of that glass, so I came up with just 15. But uh, as I was sharing with you, if you can open that book, look at the next collection, you that at a certain point in that prayer, at my prayer altar, I was trying to find out from the Lord what am I going to do in my retirement? Am I going to wake up every day, take a cup of tea, go back to bed? I look like when you get to retirement, you get worried about 
what works. So as I was praying, I had a very clear voice from the Lord saying to me. And he said, I have spared you to parade generations. To me, that said it all. But he told me that <clears throat> looks in your laptop, you will find things you have told people over the years. All God has them, including character. And he also gave me a name of this ministry. It's called the Upcoming Gospel Ministers Fellowship. Upcoming Gospel Ministers Fellowship. I don't know if anyone else has that name, but that's what I received. And I began taking groups of young people groups of upcoming gospel ministers, uh, bringing them together at my prayer altar, which is also their school. And I began sharing with them, <coughs> teaching and training them in different aspects of the Christian, actually what I now call transformational spiritual leadership development, which is the name of this course. And it has four units that I have developed so far. The first one is the significance of page two, the significance of godly character and spiritual leadership. Then the second unit is about the way you can sound methods and skills to apply in spiritual leadership. And the third unit on page two, if you can open the book, is the role of the church in national transformation. And the fourth note is God's heart for revival. When you complete those four, or even before you complete, you become our member, and at the beginning of every year, you come together in great numbers to hear testimonies, share challenges and to rejoice about what God has done through our, our lives through this training. It's a training the purpose that changing your life and seeing God using your changed life to impact another or other people's lives. It is simple some of the things we teach you already know, but you know, there is a saying that once you lose the basics, you have lost the game. There are, there, are, there are things that are so basic in spiritual leadership, which have been neglected for so long. And once you lose them, you've lost everything. So now, this, this particular unit has 16 classes, which you cannot do uh, in the time we have. 
But in, in many ways, the classes, the teaching sessions are written in such a way that you can teach yourself. I would try to simplify it so that, so, so that whatever can be done may be done to help someone understand uh, how to be a good quality Christian leader. So, we shall be trying to do two classes every evening, today, Wednesday and Friday. Possibly that will be in the six classes. And then we shall be trying to do another six classes next week. And the rest we shall be able to do on your own. Or once in a while. We may have an evening, we may have a Saturday, we may, so that we can accomplish this unity. And then next year, we may go to other units as God uh, permits. And uh, also next year that you may be part of that group that will come together to hear testimonies and to rejoice in the Lord for what he has done. Amen. Please uh, turn to page 11. Fishing session number one. Understanding understanding the fact that there is a specific calling of God upon your life, part one. I work of introduction, I will read a few things. God will never use anyone to accomplish notable exploits for his, in his kingdom until that individual discovers the specific calling of God upon his or her life. That is undeniable. In the church today, we, we need to develop appropriate strategies People may use to identify this specific calling of God upon their lives and how they may effectively function in such a calling. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, we are commanded to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, we are commanded to transmit truth that has transformed our lives to each successive generation. In a summary, we can conclude that the Church of Christ has been called to function through four major activities, namely shepherding God's people well, Number two, developing generations of leaders. And number three, to lay our strongest emphasis 
on evangelism, follow up on discipleship, as a key means of developing leaders with a transformational mindset. In Mark 16 and James Luke 20, Bible tells us that in my name, it says, Go and preach the gospel to all creation. In 2 Timothy 2 2, the Bible tells us the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, interest to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In Matthew 28 18 through 20, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to obey everything whatsoever I have taught you, and though I am with you always the end of the age. And the first thing the church is meant to do is building spiritual movements in specific areas of its jurisdiction. By jurisdiction here, I'm talking about like in the, in the certain denominations, they have what they call a parish. A parish. A church must define their parish. Must define their area of responsibility. And in that particular area, they must build what we term spiritual movements. Other big in your notes. Listed below are three important facts concerning the call of the spiritual leadership. Number one, in God's eternal purposes, leaders are divinely called or appointed. In other words, if you believe that you are called to be a spiritual leader in any capacity, then it is God who called you. None of us ever calls you. No, it is God who calls us. And Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, summarized the calling of the church in the words of the Great Commission. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 18 and 19. Now, the calling of the church is to disciple all nations, not just a handful of individuals. God wants us to think in terms of winning whole nations and turning them back to Him. This is the kind of mindset that God desires us to, to acquire and we know this as a transformational a transformational mindset. Amen. Thank you so much. We, we have been given a call to transform nations. This is what it actually means when you talk about discipling the nation. 
some sometimes we don't even think about what is this story is talking about. Go and the disciples of nations making meaning go and disciple nations. Now to disciple nation means to restore the rule of God in that nation. Accomplishing this task takes developing spiritual leaders, equipping them to acquire such a transformational mindset that they will be enabled to accomplish their God-given assignment of returning the rule of God in their nations. God desires that our lives produce remaining fruit. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you that you may go forth and bear fruit, and that your fruit may remain. A transformed nation is supposed to be the remaining fruit of all the discipling efforts carried out in the churches of that particular nation. I want to hear some amen there. Understood in your notes, consider the following examples to help you understand the call of the church, uh, the calling of God upon your life. The specific calling of God. The example of the prophet Jeremiah. God telling him, before I found you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. You see, we are looking at God's specific calling upon your life. There are three major lessons concerning Jeremiah's call for all of us in spiritual leadership to love. Number one, God in his power knowledge calls people to leadership positions in the ministry and elsewhere. He knows before, he knew before your creation, there is a missing uh, typing error there. He knew, put the word, he knew before your creation that he will call you to serve him in a specific capacity. That he will be an instrument to use to accomplish his purposes in your generation. Before you were found in your mother's womb, I knew you. This means I approved you as my chosen instrument. Before you were found in your mother's womb. If somebody can say, wow. And number two, God in his full knowledge calls people to specific offices and specific locations. He says to Jeremiah, 
I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This statement comes the meaning of I separated you from a common use to a special use. I separated you for a peculiar prophetic office, not only to the Jews or the Hebrews, but to the nations. And number three, God, the call of spiritual leaders is a call to play a key role in the transformation of our nations. See, I have, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Every word I have underlined in this verse speaks of the need for the church to wake up to our call to trust, to, to, to disciple nations, which means to return the rule of God in our nations. Our transformational spiritual leadership training curriculum offers a full course entitled The Role of the Church in National Transformation. There are evil, there are evil things God is calling the church in every nation to pull down, to destroy, to throw down in each of the seven mountains of influence in our society. After that, we must build and plant godly values all over our society. As we continue on page 13, other examples of God's foreknowledge concerning his specific calling Specific calling upon people includes the prophet Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 49, verse 1, it says, Listen, O islands, unto me, and hearken ye people from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the bones of my mother as he made mention of my name. That's Isaiah testifying about his specific calling. And then, as you look at your notes, the effect of the vision of God on Isaiah. Isaiah himself describes the transforming effect of the vision of God that he saw, which led to, to the undeniable transformation of his ministry. They say that, woe is me, for I am only done, because I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
as we continue the notes, more often than not, God begins his work of transformation by deeply touching the lives and ministry of those in key leadership positions as Isaiah was. God is cleansing and transforming fire. Then through one of the seraphims unto me, holding a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he laid it, he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched my thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. No leader will ever respond to the call of God in the most proper manner until after he has encountered the cleansing and the transforming fire of God. Someone in? The fire in the burning core here is a symbol of purification or refining. In Malachi chapter 2, first it says, For I for he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and part them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering of righteousness. The important lesson here for all of us is that God desires to take his servants through a process or through the process of purification and refining in order to remove all sorts of evil motives and character traits before he releases them into ministry. With gold and silver, the higher the temperature, the purer the gold, the purer the silver becomes. The purer the gold becomes, the higher the price attached to it becomes. Having looked at Isaiah, let us also look at another servant of God, John the Baptist, the man whose ministry was a turning of hearts of fathers to children. The ministry of John the Baptist was a transformational ministry. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Verse 17, And he shall go before him in the spirit of Elijah, to turn the fathers, the hearts of the fathers, to the children, 
and disobedience to disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's in Luke chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. The turning of hearts, the turning of the hearts and coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah speak about a leader with a generational transfer mindset. A leader who is taking it as a priority to prepare the next generation of leaders, the, ne the next generation to be competent and effective leaders. So that was John the Baptist. Then we look at another leader, the Apostle Paul. Galatians 1.15 says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the hidden, immediately I conferred not with fresh and blood. From the day Paul, who was so, encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, until his death, Paul's life and ministry were transformed from, the, from that of a persecutor of the Church of Christ to that of a committed follower of Jesus Christ to that of a man captured and enslaved by the cause of Christ. Jesus described to Ananias the calling of Paul in the following words. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. Number two, having looked at these examples of men whom God called to specific ministries. Let us look at number two on page 14. Sorry about this. <clears throat> number two on page 14. God is calling upon your life may require require you to leave your comfort zone. No one ever became a greater leader in ministry without paying a great price. Consider the example of Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, by then Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. 
Genesis 7, 21. The important lesson from the friends and go to the land I will show you is that God is calling upon your life. That in God is calling upon your life, some details more often than not remain obscure. The reason for this is that God uses this as a means of testing your faith and obedience. You know, God doesn't call us like they have given you a job and they say, this will be your house, this will be your salary, these are going to be your benefits, and so on and so forth. God just says, leave your country, leave your people, leave your job. Sometimes people even think you have gone mad. To many of us, we have gone through such an experience. Under number three in your notes, on page 15, Every spiritual leader must understand the fact that God calls us to a walk of faith. Two major lessons about the walk of faith from Abraham's life. Number one, prompt obedience. This is a major component of the walk of faith. It is characterized, it, it is characterized, it, it characterized, characterized the work of Abraham throughout his entire life. When God established a covenant of circumcision with Abraham, he obeyed promptly. When you read Genesis 17, 27, it amazes me that he circumcised all of his family, including all the servants, 318 of them. Seems he did it in one day, I don't know how, but he promptly obeyed. People, when God calls you and is calling him who is calling you, there are times when he require prompt obedience. Amen? When his wife told Abraham, get rid of that slave woman, Abba, and her son Ishmael, the Bible says, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But when God told him to listen to Sarah, he obeyed promptly. As you read from Genesis 21 through verses 8 through 14. Amen. And number three, when God tested Abraham to offer Isaac to him as a burnt offering, he obeyed promptly. 
You remember the story in Genesis 22, verses 1, verses 3 uh, through 13. You see Abraham walking up in the morning, taking hold of the sun and going all the way for three days, a long journey, and reaching the place where he was to offer his son as a sacrifice to God. He knew beings. Amen. <coughs> Leaders need to understand the four types represented in this incident of the sacrifice of Isaac. Isaac typified Christ who was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, you will read in your time. Then Abraham typified God the Father, who spared not his own son, but this delivered him up for us all. Then number three, the ram or the sheep. This typified Christ, who is the substitution offered as a burnt offering in our place. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Then number four, the spare of Isaac, this typified the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Hebrews 11, uh, 17 through 19. A walk of faith can only be sustained if a leader has faith in God and clearly well-defined spiritual vision. This is what the Bible says concerning Abraham. By faith when Abraham was called to go into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he staggered in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heir with him of the, of the same promise. Verse 10 in Hebrews 11, For he looked for a city with foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Take note of how the Bible defines faith. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In other words, faith is taking God at his word. Love. Amen. Not necessarily at the written word only, but you know God can speak just in, in particular circumstances, I shared with you at the beginning how God spoke to me, and I just began to obey. God, if you're going to to lead, to be to be a leader, a spiritual leader, and to grow from one level to another, 
in your lifetime. You need to know that it is bad. There is a, more often than not, it's a walk of faith. Amen? And faith is defined, and they bring in the, the Bible brings it in the word now. Now, not tomorrow, not in the future, not in the next 10 years, but now. Faith is, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That is why I say, in other words, faith is taking God as his word now. Amen? The reason for this is because the object of our faith must be God and his word. This is very important for all of us to understand. The object of our faith is not people. The object of our faith is not your level of education. The object of our faith is not the church you belong to. The object of our faith is God and His Word. Amen? And if you are going to walk a walk of faith, as you serve him, you need those two things. A close walk with God and a deep, a deep knowledge of his word. Not, not only his word, but even knowing his voice when he speaks. When I received that word from him. I didn't really fully understand the details. When he said, I have spared you to parent generations, I wondered, oh, but I started in freeze. And then, I have a laptop that I have owned for 10 years and it, it has, I looked at the number of topics I had taught on, over 120, over, actually almost 200 in 10 years. And I began to see I can put together a training curriculum from this. To hope up. You know, you may not feel happy when I say upcoming gospel ministers, but I'm also an upcoming gospel minister. <laughs> Amen. You know that you can never think you have reached the top. We are all just on the way to the top. Amen. But you know what happened? After some time, I got the receipt. And it was like 
every day at sleep in the evening, my body would go so cold, pain everywhere, and I would go to bed until morning. I went to doctors, they said we don't see anything wrong with you. I felt so discouraged. I felt like, God, you told me you have spared me. How come that now I, I, I am losing weight, no appetite, no, uh, I'm spending money, no, no sickness being discovered in my body? And I began to, to wonder, and then at a particular point in time, one of the, the ladies we pray with came over and said to me, she has been so accepted in my family, she calls us daddy and mom. Said, daddy, I have a word of encouragement for you. If the doctors are not seeing any sickness in your body, this is the devil trying to destroy your destiny. And in the name of Jesus, I decree that you receive back your full health. And she left. And God just did that. He restored me to full health. The only thing I have now is a, a cold night everyone else does. And a cold because of the weight. But I'm continuing this, this calling. Amen. 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 You know, when you retire, you may feel like you are, you are now useless. Hmm? But, depends on how, how you how you accept or refuse it. Once a minister of the gospel, ever a minister of the gospel. Ruth, once a doctor, ever a doctor. Once a lawyer, once whatever you are, you die. As such, a teacher is ever a teacher. So for me, this is what I am. My calling in my retirement is to parent generations. I don't know how, but I keep doing what God says do that. Amen. And what you have in your hands is part of what it is. Amen. Um, <coughs> we have finished the first session. Is that watch working? Yes. Hmm? yes. So what can we do? I want to do a second session if possible. Actually, I forgot to have a timekeeper. Is that okay? Okay, let's get running. Are you learning anything? There is another segment for you to be there. I will look at them. 
Alikuwa kama mwanza wa Yesaya ni Son Friday. Amina. Na books. Wewe ni shamsi. This book session ni namba 2. This one we shall run through very fast. Very fast. It's very important. Understanding the fact that there is a specific, a specific calling of God upon your life, part two. We have done part one. In this session, our emphasis will be on the fact that sometimes God uses godly men and women to identify those he's calling to occupy certain spiritual leadership positions. We will also learn this truth that God calls us to serve him willingly and in humility. humility. Allow me to follow a bit of tea. Well, <clears throat> remind me to tell you something about how good I am at the end of this session. Remind me, we'll be excited. God calls us to serve him willingly and in humility. Some leaders are identified by golden men and women. And after taking them through a rather wicked preparation phase, they are empowered, proven, challenged to specific leadership, and finally released into their callings. We are going to consider one example the example of Elisha who was a busy farmer at his farm. This is one of the generations where every spiritual leader is being challenged to do something on the side. I don't know if it's happening here also. We are being challenged to be a little to back up a project. But here was a, a man who was in business, doing very well. And before we dig deeper into this, let me bring this to your notes. God does not call people just because they have nothing to keep them busy. Thank you, know, this is this is a challenge to us. God doesn't call people just because they have nothing to do. That will make him very cheap. Yet he's the greatest employer. No. He's so interested in very busy people like this businessman Elisha was. Elijah found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with a trail of oxen, yoke of oxen, before him. And he was the trail of and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Those verses will help us to see the details. Take note of the four important phrase, phrases, phrases, phrases in leadership development 
as illustrated in the work of Elijah and Elisha, from Gilgal to the crossing of the River Jordan. Gilgal, that's where they started. This is the place of her circumcision in the potential leader's life. It is a leadership preparation phase which all those who desire to become transformational spiritual leaders must encounter. In this phase, God takes a leader through painful but rewarding experiences. The poor skin that is removed from the male sexual organs during circumcision is useless. It has potential to cause infection. It does not help married men improve or perform better in sexual union. Therefore, Gilgal speaks of the need to allow God to carry out painful operations in the leader's life and ministry, hoping him or her learn to, to learn to set our priorities in the right order. This involves identifying negative things in our lives which the devil capitalizes on in order to hold us to hold us back. Then we take a firm stand against them. You never remain the same after you have been circumcised. As a leader submits to his mentor during this preparation phase, God accomplishes the task of developing God-honoring character traits in such a leader's life and ministry. Take note of the cry of God through Jeremiah the prophet. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. So the place Gilgal, you remember in Joshua chapter 5, before the Israelites could be allowed to walk into the promised land, God ordered Joshua to make stony knives and circumcise all the men. It was a covenant sign, a seal of ownership for the Lord. And you know, in leadership, if your heart is not right, yes, you can perform, because they can, there can be a lot of performance in leadership. But it's more important to have your heart right with God. And the level of your performance will so increase to heights you never thought of if your heart is right with God as a leader. Amen. So you go to go, you go, to, to go through Gilgal. Then Bethel is another phrase in leadership development. It speaks of God helping the spiritual leader 
we recognize a significant role that prayer has in a leader's life and ministry. The most important emphasis in this phrase is to help the spiritual leader acquire a God-honoring prayer lifestyle. In Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32, Jacob was with the angel of God until he died. And by the time they parted company, Jacob was walking different. And his name was also changed. Persevering in prayer. We shall learn more on this on prayer in another session uh, later on in this subject. Some sometime later. But Bethel speaks of the significant role of prayer in the life of a leader. A leader who can not, who does not only pray when the that the, the, the pastor calls a leadership meeting, a leadership prayer meeting, a retreat. But a leader who prays when driving his car, a leader who prays without ceasing, a leader whose life is marked by prayer, a leader who spends quality time with God in his word and in prayer. A leader who doesn't only ask, but who intercedes on behalf of others, on behalf of the ministry. A leader whose heart is sold out to God, whose work with God is so close that even when you are around him, you sense the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Another place here is Jericho. This is another place where in leadership, uh, you look at Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. Jericho speaks of God allowing the spiritual leader in preparation to face situations which are humanly impossible to overcome. God wants upcoming spiritual leaders to be so transformed when they learn the truth that God, God can supernaturally intervene in any hard situations we may face and rescue us. Amen. Uh, recently we had a prayer meeting and that same lady who spoke into my life that word that came to me and brought me back into uh, the calling of God upon my life. She came and shared that God had given her four words and say the first word is interruption. Second word is intervention. Third word is 
interception. And the fourth word is diversion. And in the summary, she said, we serve a God who inter interrupts the plans of the people. We serve a God who intervenes in the affairs of his people. We serve a God who intercepts the devil's plan and he says, stop there. Then the inversion says, we serve a God who can divert whatever the devil has tried to destroy to stop you from reaching your destiny in your God. He diverts it and you get back on the right track to your destiny. Amen. That is the God we serve. And here he is, you know, with Elisha, he interrupts a farmer's life. He intervenes, he intercepts, and he diverts him into his God-given destiny. And number four other children is another preparation phrase. It talks of that point in the leader's life when after being challenged, tested, proven, and finally empowered, God begins to slowly but to slowly release you into ministry under the active supervision of your spiritual mentor. It's never a long walk. If you have no mentor or authority you are accountable to above you in a ministry, I can assure you from years of experience, you are perfect, you are outside God's perfect tool. Amen. You must have a mentor, you must have an authority God has set above you to whom you are accountable. Amen. And if you do not have one, you are operating outside God's perfect will for your life. And that is a truth I can't hide from you. Take note of this truth. All the way from Gilgal to the crossing of the Jordan, God was using Elijah to identify and confirm the calling of Elisha to inherit a double portion of the spirit that was operating in Elijah's life. So God used an individual to help Elisha understand his specific calling. Another example is the kind of disciples were all identified, challenged, trained, tested, proven, and finally commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Through this process, they eventually became the key leaders of his Christian movement. 
In Mark 3, 14 and 15, it says, And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he may later send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal the sick and to drive out demons. Take note of these two great lessons from Jesus' approach as he weighs the leaders. On page 18, under A, at the bottom, Jesus is being with them, provided the fellow with the most appropriate learning atmosphere for the life-changing ministry. He was going to interest with them. This is the reason we believe that leaders with a transformational mindset can never be developed in isolation. Recently there was one young man who came over and he said, I'm not come, I want to be in this, this, this ministry. And he told me so many things. And people asked him, Who is your mentor? Who is your mentor? Who has been raising you spiritually? And he said, very proudly, very confidently, he said, The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And I felt like, what is that state? The Holy Spirit cannot work without someone upon whom he rests, he puts his anointing to help you. You know, in this Pentecostal churches, there is a lot of people who say, I never went to any Bible college, I don't even need to go there. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. You may not need to go to Bible college, but you must have a mentor. You must have an authority, a godly man or woman, to parent you spiritually. Amen? To speak into your life. Sometimes the Word of God can speak. But there are many things that you do not fully understand. And if you have a mentor, you can throw more light on that one. So, Jesus is being with his fellow disciples, created an atmosphere, the appropriate atmosphere, for them to become the greatest leaders of his ministry, even after he went away. If you want to see how they read the ministry, go to the book of Acts. In the Bible, 12 is the number of governance. Every spiritual leader should develop a core discipleship group of 12 in your ministry. 
as you spend quality time with them, you begin to see and develop them as your co-leadership team. Do not just rush into making a co-leadership team. Allow God to help you develop your co-leadership team of fellows at a slow but steady pace over a period of time. <coughs> and I'm proud to say I have seen this happen here. I know the history of this ministry. I may not know it all. But I know the Lord has done something unusual at this ministry. You see faces of leaders who have stood with this ministry in the thick and thin through the years. And for this, we give the glory to God. And we are continuing to develop leaders. Amen. The Apostle Paul identified several young men, including Timothy, Titus, Philemon, John, Mark, Luke, and many others. Some of whose names are difficult to pronounce, Titicus, and many others. He discipled them into his as his core leadership team. He was a leader with a generational transfer mindset in his leadership approach. There is a great danger in leaders failing to raise generations of leaders. In Joshua chapter 24 verse 31 and in Judges chapter 2 verses 8 through 10, the book of Joshua is full of great accomplishments for the nation of Israel during Joshua's time in the nation's, in the nation's leadership. But the book of Judges is a sad record of the same cycle in the nation. It, it ran as follows. The nation would sin. Then God will bring his judgment. Then they will go into deep repentance. And then God will restore them. And as soon as they were enjoying days and times of restoration, they will go back to sin again, to judgment, to repentance, restoration, and then back to sin seven times. Then the nation will fall back in the cycle and they will repeat, they will repeat itself beginning with the same judgment, repentance, restoration. Seven times it occurred in the book of Judges. This kept the nation in perpetual bondage to nations who were hostile to Israel. Because in the book of Joseph, Bible says Israel served God in the days of Joshua. And, they, and, the, and in the days of all the elders who outlived Joshua. But then when he died, uh, when that, that, that generation that outlived Joshua died, 
The generation that came next did not care about developing uh, future leaders. And number five, every spiritual leader must understand the fact that God has called us to serve Him willingly and in humility. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, in the New Testament, we refer to this passage as the humility of Christ. Verse 5 says, We should have the mindset that Christ had. For a Christian leader to have the mind of Christ, it means we should serve God with an attitude of self-sacrificing humility and unconditional love towards others. In verse 6 and 7, though he was in the form of God and equal with God, he made himself of no reputation, made himself nothing. He did this willingly by laying down, laying aside his heavenly glory and becoming a man, a mere, a mere human being in the incarnation. And in verse 7, he made himself a servant who was always submissive to the will of his father. And in verse 8, he humbled himself to the point of dying on the cross. He is our example. Amen? He is the author and finisher of our faith. But then it says, Then God exalted him. He gave him a name that is above every name. Amen? He gave, he, he, verse 9 says, That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It did not just happen. It took becoming so humble, uh, because deciding to serve God in humility and willingly. The road to greatness passes via humility. One of the major indicators of humility in leadership is for a leader to know your limits and boundaries. Let us consider these two examples. Joseph in Potiphar's house. You know he was a leader there. The man said, everything is now in your hands except my will. And when, 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 when Potiphar's wife tried those tricks on Joseph, Joseph knew his limits and he went off. Amen. Now, the other example is King Hosea in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 16 through 20. You will read that on your own. But in this example, we see, okay, 
In the example of Joseph, we see a leader who knows his boundaries and respects the boundaries of others. Notice how he represses, he replies to the sexual demands of Potiphar's wife. No one is greater in this house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a thing, a wicked thing, and sin against God? In the example of King Uzziah, we see a leader who does not respect the boundaries set for him. Uzziah's downfall was caused by three evil evils which leaders need to learn to avoid. When you read the story, you cut it better. But number one, pride caused by the prosperity God allowed him to enjoy in his kingdom. Bible says when he prospered, he went into the temple and began to do the work of the priests on the altar. And number two, unfaithfulness to the Lord his God, as he stepped out of his boundaries and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of the Lord, which was not his role. One of the, I think the chief, the chief priest comes over and says to him, Hey, no, 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 no. It is not your work. Come out from there. And instead of responding by coming out from the altar, he just went home. And God, and, and, and actually, that chief priest called him 80-80 other priests to help this man. He was so hard, hard hearted. Like some leaders are sometimes. You try to help them, they feel they know better. And you know, God Himself brought a leper. The thing hit here. And he looked at himself and he knew he was unclean to be there. And he rushed out and they took him to some place where the people with leprosy were kept. And as he said, you are not wrong in responding to confrontation from others whose intention is to help you not to go beyond your boundaries. A leader who refuses to change when rightly confronted causes a lot of problems and setbacks in ministry. Many of such leaders end their lives miserably. Hosea died a leper. So, as we that, that brings us to the end of our second session, and I believe today the Lord has spoken to us concerning one specific area, understanding the fact that there is a specific, call, a specific calling of God upon your life.
and then also that God can use people. And that there is a there are processes you go through. And you never know when you have come to the end of everything. Sometimes God can take you back to the same process where you think you have been it before. It can take you back to Gilgal, it can take you back to Bethel, it can take you back to Jericho, it can take you back to, to the Jordan uh, because of his own good reasons. But I want to say uh, this week and next week, be praying that God may do something new beyond what we are used to. Amen. Uh, in the Hebrew calendar, we have come to the end of the year. We did it in September, September 30, somewhere. And we entered the year 5,780. We moved out of the 70s, 10 years from 770 to 779. Those were the years of seeing things. The ability, increased ability to see things from God's perspective. It was a decade for that. And now we have come to a decade of the 80s, which is described as a decade of the mouth, a decade of sound. Amen. And I may not say everything about that, but for the week we are in, you are going to hear many things. And when you hear, may God so change your life. Because in the years ahead of us, even when we come to get to print, to print, the years. 2029. Job 22, 18, where it says, You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established. Those, these are the days ahead of us. Amen. Father, well, thank you for this evening. Thank you for each one of these leaders. Thank you for calling them using them. Thank you for the wonderful purposes you have for each one of them. Thank you, Father, for the leadership of this ministry. 
each one of them, and the top leader, the father in this house, and his wife, and everyone whom you are using to stand with this ministry. And Father, we continue to ask that during this week, as you speak to us, as you refresh us, as you touch different areas of our lives, that your perfect will will be done. We thank you and bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, on the 8th of, of August this year, I made 70 years. So, one instruction is that you don't sing happy birthday to me if there is no birthday date and no presents. Amen. We can do better than that. Pastor, we appreciate you for uh, humbling yourself before the Lord and continuing to allow God to work through you. Uh, at the beginning of this month, those of you who remember, we began to tackle the issue of being called. Hmm? And uh, when we and talked with personally, we did not uh, specifically specify the topics that should be handled. And uh, I'm just amazed that uh, when he began the training, he began by handling the issue of being called. Amen. Uh, this is a season that God is so mindful of. This is a season that God wants us to take seriously. When you look at the different things that are being uh, coined together, you realize that God is really speaking something. Uh, the Lord has specifically uh, spoken to us concerning uh, retraining. Retraining. This is the time of uh, retraining, the time as I said in the beginning of this session that uh, God is calling us unto re-equipping, re-rebuilding, uh, reorganizing, restructuring and all that. And so we began to practically deal with these areas. Um, I gave out uh, notes. I, because there were few, so I began with the pastors and the tribe leaders. And so those of you who didn't get, you get the notes on Wednesday. Uh, if you got uh, notes, please see Python for your payments or register your name so that the payments are eventually made, and that's 12,006. Those of you who need notes on Wednesday, Please see Ivan, this is not the number of uh, booklets that need to be prepared. 
um, as I said earlier, that um, if an axe is blunt, he who uses it uses a lot of effort, but wisdom profits all. So God is sharpening us for effectiveness. One of the things that has stood out and which always stands out in leadership is the issue of humility. And a leader that does not have uh, authority over them uh, might be a leader that is walking into dangerous waters. Uh, Jesus recognized the five horrors. And as we saw yesterday, at the most critical time, he said, Father, not my will, but let your will be done. Submission. And um, Professor Frank has emphasized, especially that last part, emphasized the issue of submission, the issue of humility. One of the things that uh, I recognize over here. There is a way many of us, as we began with the Lord, as we began in the time called, our level of submission to God and leadership was unquestionable. It was hard. As time has gone by, many of us have gotten to a level where we've not, where we've neglected uh, that life of submission, that life of humility. And that last part of Hosea, um, it's so sad. It's, it's a part that none of us should really, really, really be part of. Humility, humility uh, goes hand in hand with, um, with recognizing authority over you. Authority over you. Uh, I realize that um, many of us, when we make decisions, we, 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 we run our own lives. Yes, much as, much as serving God and leadership, especially in an environment like, like this, especially here we may not have so much, for so many restrictions and, uh, and uh, reprimanding people and being hard on people. However, where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. But that liberty cannot be violated. Uh, we may neglect certain things, but it might be a matter of time that some of those things catch up with us. Amen. So in this time of retraining, I believe that um, God is preparing us for, for greater things that are coming, and I believe that it will be those that will go through the winnowing process that will be able to, that will be assigned by God, not by man, but by God, things that he wants to do through their lives. Praise God. I want you to use this time to check into your, your life, Special of ministry, your life of, of leadership. As I said earlier, that the past weeks we dealt with 
that inner life and seeking God and surrendering to God and now we are beginning to look at our service unto God. But I, I pray that many of us will be able to allow the word of God to, to flash a torch into our lives so that we can know how we have been living, how we have been faithfully or unfaithfully serving Him. One of the things that I want you to really, really ponder over is, is this last part of submission. Last part of submission. True, true loyalty is where you do not find too much restrictions. I was preaching yesterday at one of the schools yesterday morning and, uh, and about Christ. I was sharing them about Christ and the life. Uh, the eternal life of Christ within us. But one of the things that uh, somewhere, somehow, I brought up was the issue of, of liberty. Uh, and I was telling them that this environment in which you are in, there is freedom, but also there are rules, there are regulations, and there is a way you, you may run your life because of the rules and regulations around, around you. And I'd like to say that true law, not royalty, loyalty, being loyal, true loyalty is where you have a little liberty around you, not much restrictions. That is where true loyalty of your heart comes forth. And when you look around here, we may not have so much running after people, running after leaders, and we may not have a lot of restrictions and this and the other. However, um, I've sensed that there are many of us as leaders, we, we will make our own decisions, we, we, we determine things, and later on, having made our decisions, we can you can inform me, you can let me know what you're going to do, what you're doing, without any room for me to express my mind. And I sincerely speak to you that that is wrong, but I may not be there to tell you it is wrong because of that liberty of Christ that we, we are in. But I tell you that you endanger you yourself, you endanger your future, you also endanger your present position in the Lord but also in ministry. And above all, we are all accountable to the Lord. Amen. And so it's my my prayer that throughout this these sessions that some of us will be able to rediscover our love for the Lord, our submission to the Lord, our obedience. True love for the Lord is tested through obedience. Praise the Lord. What is ahead of us is, uh, is much greater than what is behind us. There are greater assignments that are waiting for us. And uh, 
as I spoke to to you leaders, especially last week on Wednesday when we had the training, I mean the, the leaders meeting. I see the one of the things that I recognize that God put upon this ministry was to raise leaders and are not only raising leaders out there, but I say that God has opened my eyes to notice that actually within here, God has been raising a workforce. And I say that this workforce is not only for me or for this ministry, but it is for God, it is for the kingdom of God. And I also say that um, I see a time that comes where God may want to deploy or do anything in someone's life or through someone says, oh, there's someone who has been trained, who has been prepared for me, and so let me do this and this in such and such a person's life that has been prepared. So take this moment seriously. The way many of us came in today was not very pleasing. Uh, but I pray that uh, the, your heart of commitment to the Lord and to His service will be revived uh, in this season. Praise the Lord. So God bless you. I will meet again on, on Wednesday. We won't have met uh, this whole week, uh, but um, I decided that you have some breather within within the week, so that's why we have left out some of the days. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, also Sunday. So I pray that. Uh, You'll be able to utilize the time that you have to be able to think and uh, meditate on what you're receiving. Amen. May God, may God bless you.